Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. This is Season 7, Episode 1, a new season, Alan. Can you believe they they keep letting us do this? I know, how about that? (laughs) (laughs) We're coming to you today mostly from the Columbus, Ohio area, home of the Columbus Crew the uh, local professional soccer team in one of those leagues where they kick the ball up and down the field for no apparent reason. (laughs) Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. I know we just offended quite a few of our listeners with that comment, but I I do hear they built a brand new stadium for them this year. So uh, that's that's a pretty big deal. Down close to where the uh, Blue Jackets, I think it is. Play. Yes, the hockey team. Yes, the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, uh, close to where we will have council in uh, 2025. So get your crew tickets today. Uh, is Fantastic. I'm Terry, yes. Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. And I am Alan, Director of Development for the Eastern PA District of the Alliance. And I'm Isaac, today stepping in for Caitlin. To do the production. There you go, uh, Isaac. All is right, welcome, Isaac, producer today. Thank and, you, guys. Uh, Caitlin had a retreat, or so she said, and so we let her out of this uh, podcast uh, episode. All right, I was say I think she's still recovering from the release of the new Taylor Swift album just last week. I think she's still trying to get over that. It's a re- that was a real big swing for her. So it, it was uh, really big in my world too. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure, Terry. I'm <laughs> sure it was. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, who? <laughs> well, today oh we my. have a first, Alan. Uh, we, we've had guests that we've asked to be on a second time. We call those re- repeat offenders. But <laughs> this guest asked us to be on a second time. Yes. Woo. Yeehaw. And we are glad to have her back. We are. Our, so our first episode with Katie Cole was one of our most listened to uh, episodes, very helpful episode on her book, uh, Developing Female Leaders. And now she's coming back on to talk about her new book, which is Find Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days. So Alan, you've you've read uh, Katie's stuff. You've heard her speak. What impresses you about Katie Cole? Well, we're going to talk about something that represents her well. I think we're going to talk about the, the, the combination of humility and boldness. Yep. And uh, I'm looking forward to her unpacking that because I think that she represents that well. She is humble, and yet she says it like it is at the same time. And that is a rare, a too rare combination in leaders. And so I'm looking forward to how we feel that throughout this podcast episode. So grab yourself a Boots Beverages Coconut Cream Soda. Yes, that's so good. Go to your local Ace Hardware and pick it up. There you go. Ace Hardware, known for its delicious drinks. Sit back, relax. Here we go. And it's our privilege to welcome back to Equipping You Podcast, Katie Cole. Katie, thanks for uh, coming back and joining us again today. Well, thank you both so much for having me. It's great to be with you today. So we typically have been asking our guests about leaders that have impacted them. 
impacted them. You answered that last time. I remember uh, some of your answers and uh, insights on that. But uh, so today we're going to ask you instead, have you been reading any good books lately that have uh, (laughs) impacting your leadership that you would want to recommend to our listeners? Sure. Well, I am a big reader. So um, I have a couple off the top of my head that have been really good for me personally, challenging my own thinking. So um, I guess my disclaimer is I don't always endorse everything talked about in a book, but I do really encourage people to read outside their normal tribe or way of thinking to stretch our brains and make sure we're challenging our own assumptions. So uh, one of the first of them is called, is a book called Jesus and John Wayne by Kristen Cobes. Really a fascinating historical experience account of the American church. I found it really enlightening and very challenging. Um, So I highly recommend that one. Uh, John Acuff has a new book out called Soundtracks, and I think uh, gives a really humorous and fun way of looking at sort of the inner dialogue we have in our own minds and um, what that helps us with and what that can kind of hold us back or harm us. And so he's got some fun practical tips in that. Um, And then I've been doing quite a bit of reading on, like I'm sure most people are, on race and reconciliation and restoration. And so I found the book Cast by Isabel Wilkerson really enlightening. It basically talks about um, sort of the social structures that we can see in, again, from a historical viewpoint in America around race. Um, And I think for me, especially as a white uh, Christian, I needed that kind of insight um, and historical viewpoint was really helpful for me in understanding what's happening today. Fantastic. Appreciate wow. those recommendations. Absolutely. Uh, two out of the three I am not familiar with. So thank you for recommending those. Uh, appreciate that a lot. And Great. speaking of books, you have released a new book uh, this year. And uh, so we would love to hear what kind of compelled you to write find your leadership voice in 90 days uh why why that format who are you trying to target with that uh and how do you recommend that your readers process it sure thank you well the last time i was with you all we were talking about my previous book developing female leaders which i really wrote for uh leaders of churches mostly men because that's who the leaders tend to be uh about how to do a better job stewarding and developing the female leadership talent in their congregations and so for the last two or three years i've been spending a lot of time talking with churches and at conferences and with leaders about those concepts and what we can all do as leaders and as teams and churches to become better at that Uh, Sort of the secondary thing that happens when I give that content is I meet with a lot of women who are like, hey, I read your book and this was really helpful. Or I'm uh, I'm getting opportunities that I've never gotten before. My board of elders read through your book and they gave me a promotion or we're getting to do more things. Or I now understand I should be asking for more opportunities. All those kind of great questions that I'm thrilled to see as a result of the book. The challenge has been, however, is that many women, as they're stepping into these new roles or taking on new responsibilities, it's not been that enjoyable for them. <laughs> they are, uh, it's uh, overwhelming. Many of them are feeling really insecure or unsure if they're doing a good job. Most of them are stepping into teams or scenarios where women have not led before. And so that dynamic of being the first woman or the only woman on the team uh, is a weighty burden that is hard to describe to people who haven't experienced something like that. And so as I've been talking to really hundreds and hundreds of women who are excited yet 
uncertain. I just thought, gosh, this is uh, really so unfortunate that we would be seeing these great opportunities and these really gifted and talented women. And they're just really not having nearly as much fun as you should be having when you're leading in God's kingdom. Not that it's not hard, not that there's not challenge or awkward conversations or things to work through. But at the end of the day, you know, I think as leaders, we all want to feel like we really did what God asked us to do. We feel, you know, satisfied and fulfilled in our work. We're working with people that we trust. And for many women, that's just not their experience. And from the senior and executive pastors I've been working with, a lot of them are circling back now a year or two later and saying, hey, so I feel like she's still not sure she should be doing it. She's still questioning herself or she's showing up in my office and like, I'm not sure if I'm the right person for the job or there might be someone better than me or now they're taking the motions. And so I really wanted to talk to women directly. And that's who I wrote the book for specifically about now that you've got these opportunities or now that you are taking these steps, here's probably some baggage you're taking into that leadership. Here's some things you've learned along the way or picked up around about yourself that aren't true or are no longer true. Or if you're still battering, battling sort of that inner critic or questioning yourself, or you've made a mistake and you feel like now you should quit kind of overreacting to mistakes or limitations. Here's some better ways of thinking about it, more godly ways of thinking about it, um, and really finding your own leadership voice. Every leader has a unique voice. I think for women, um, when you're one of the first or only females, it's really hard to know what that looks like as a woman if you haven't had a lot of examples. So the uh, Find Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days is my attempt to try and help women show up at the leadership table with confidence, uh, being able to bring their full selves, still maintaining godliness, uh, but uh, able to really step into that leadership voice and leave at the end of the day feeling great about the work they contributed. Yeah, great. Love it. A couple of observations, Katie, and then, then, a, then a question. The book is not without value for male leaders. <laughs> it, it, it has value for the males. I, I understand that it's targeted at females. So, no, there uh, have been a lot of guys who have read it. And told me it's a really great book, so I'm glad about that. <laughs> I, I'm one of yeah, those. That's I thought, fantastic. Wow, you know, I, I need to hear this too. We wrote eleven questions. We could have written ninety questions because <laughs> there's a nugget in every uh, chapter. So. Really, really appreciated the book. So in the book, you talk about the difference between an internal spiritual posture and an external personality. And you write about being both humble and bold. Can you explain that to our listeners a little bit? Sure. So one of the things I think that happens to a lot of women when they've grown up in church or conservative environments is that uh, when you're gifted with strong leadership type gifts, we have big personalities, right? Leaders have things to say. They um, usually are kind of loud. Um, they uh, Their mind moves fast. They like to solve problems. They like to be involved in things. Those are big personality things. But most women are really taught that they need their personality to be quiet and gentle. And I just try to to separate out the difference between your personality and kind of wiring and that spiritual piece on the inside. All of us, including men, you know, every verse in the Bible is for both men and women. <laughs> so having a gentle and quiet spirit is not just a female characteristic. That is a godly characteristic. So we all need that gentle, quiet spirit Amen. on the inside. Uh, but our personality is part of the uniqueness that God gave us in how we lead. And doesn't mean that you have to be allowed to be a leader, but many leaders do have a larger presence um, than someone who prefers to be behind the scenes. And so uh, knowing the difference, knowing that I can be... Um, 
upbeat or energetic or want to move fast and have a gentle, quiet spirit. Those two are not mutually ex- exclusive. And that idea of uh, humility and boldness for me uh, really plays into this dichotomy between passive and aggressive. And I think many women are sort of coached into real passive styles of leadership, which really doesn't help you lead well. Many men, particularly outside the church, are really coached into aggressive styles of leadership. And it's easy as a culture to kind of think female leaders are more passive and male leaders are more aggressive. My theory is that has more to do with gender stereotypes than it does with kinds of leadership that are based on being male or female. But both people need correction, right? We both need to come together into the middle where healthy assertiveness is. And that godly assertiveness where I speak my mind and I do it clearly, but I do it with humility or um, really the humility is the positive side of passivity that we all need. Boldness is the positive side of aggressiveness that we all need. We don't get anywhere if I show up and just am quiet and hold back my opinion and don't advocate for the people I lead or the things that I believe are true for our church or our team. Uh, But I also am not helping if I come in and bowl everybody over and not listen to anybody else's opinion. So we need both boldness that if I have a conviction or a belief about something, I'm going to speak it and say it clearly and at the right moment, but humble enough that I'm going to do it with love and respect for the other people and everyone else's opinion. I love that. Thanks. Yeah, that was really well said. I think when people look at the list of elders, I think uh, gentle is one of the most overlooked qualities <laughs> that is on there, you know, and uh, but to have that with with confidence and boldness, that is something from the Holy Spirit for sure to put those two together. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. I love just the way you put ideas together that we might not think of together. So one of the things you talk about is that sometimes people use someone with the right gift for a certain situation rather than the actual formal leader. Uh, So can you unpack that concept for us? That's really helpful too. (laughs) Yeah. So I think one of the biggest uh, um, sort of missed opportunities as leaders is that when we lead a team or lead a decision or lead an initiative, a lot of times we feel like we have to have all the answers or be able to provide all the things. And I'm all about having a growth mindset and learning and getting better at my skill sets. But at the end of the day, really scripture teaches us that we have giftedness and we're supposed to steward those gifts. And we actually need the whole body. First Corinthians 12, Romans 12, really our giftedness is talked about in context of the fact that as a body, as a team, we all have different gifts and we need each other. And so this sort of concept that I'm supposed to have all the answers or know all the things or have all the skill sets and my team simply follow follows my lead and I delegate to them is really not a biblical view of leadership, in my opinion. What we need to look at is that servant style of leadership that says, my job as the leader is to bring together a team that represents all the gifts so that when we make a decision, we have the whole body giving their perspective. Um, that's how we um, move forward and are the most complete and whole in our leadership is when we surround ourselves with people who have other gifts and compliment us and we compliment them. So one of the the key pieces of that is to look at our own leadership and question ourselves that when a decision needs to be made or we're stuck on a problem, do I automatically look at myself as needing to have the answer or my boss should have the answer? Or do I back up a step and say, gosh, what kind of giftedness has God anointed in our body to give insight into this problem? So if it's an organizational problem, you're looking for someone with the gift of leadership 
leadership. If it's a spiritual oppression problem, you're looking for someone with the gift of intercession or perhaps the gift of healing. If, you, if you're lacking vision and don't know what to do next, you're looking for someone with that Romans 12 gift of leadership. Those are the visionaries. Uh, if you're missing information, you're looking for people with the gift of teaching or the gift of knowledge. And so making sure that we don't trap ourselves in our kind of human organizational chart hierarchy, but instead use those positions of authority and leadership to access among the body, the giftedness that God has already brought to our body to answer the question at hand. So as a leader on a team, particularly for women um, who can get a little too uh, caught up sometimes in the hierarchy and the not overstepping their authority, is that we miss opportunities to bring our giftedness if we feel like we don't carry enough authority in the room to give our opinion. And so I just really encourage people that you have two callings. You have the formal leadership role that you're bringing, because as a leader, it is my responsibility to find the answer. It's not only my responsibility to have the answer, but it is my job to find it among the body um, and other resources. But if I am on the team and we're missing the gift or I'm not being accessed, I can say, hey, I'm really good at organizing things, or let me take a crack at teaching that. That's one of my gifts. Let me volunteer myself, even if it's a little outside my formal leadership. I'm not demanding that I be used. If they don't use me, I'm not feeling sad that I've been dismissed or I'm overlooked or undervalued. I'm just offering my giftedness as an opportunity to help the body, even if it's outside my formal uh, kind of construct that I spend most of my time in. Yeah, great. So you also Thank write you. about our response responses to compliments often being awkward, and, and you say that's especially true for female leaders. I could relate to that <laughs> chapter too, but talk us through this awkwardness and how we should respond to compliments. Well, I think this is uh, particularly pervasive in ministry where we are extra sensitive to making sure God is getting the glory for what's happening, right? When we are in full-time spiritual work, we know that most of what's happening is not from us, that God is at work. We want to be open vessels. And so when someone compliments us and says, hey, great job leading that meeting or good job on, you know, with that message on the weekend, or um, I really love that whatever you said really spoke to me, we want to be able to give God the glory, but it does feel awkward because we are the ones being complimented. And so I really encourage all leaders, but particularly women who tend to have a habit of deferring to other people. We um, say, well, uh, it was just all the Lord, or that was my team who did it, or I'm surrounded by really great people. We end up really kind of um, missing the opportunity to acknowledge that God has used us and our giftedness to do something in someone's life. And so I really encourage leaders to just be confident that if your heart is connected to the Lord, you can accept a compliment and just simply say, thank you, <laughs> smile and say, thank you. You don't need to defer it. You don't need to deflect it. You don't need to pretend like what you did didn't matter. Matter. Part of the challenge we find in imposter syndrome is sort of this conflict uh, between I want to um, make everything I'm contributing look easy, and at the same time, I'm devaluing it. And so when we don't accept a compliment, we're really sending a message that what I just did didn't matter. And to me, that's actually dishonoring to the Lord. We're saying, yeah, he made me and created me and put me in this time and place and gave me a gift that he then anointed and did something supernatural with but I'm going to pretend that it doesn't really matter or that it wasn't that important. I actually think accepting a compliment simply and with confidence and being grateful to be used by the Lord is part of how we honor him and the gifts that he's given us and what he decided to do through us in that moment. 
Yeah, that's good stuff. That's again, I'm with Terry. I think everybody wrestles with, you know, the compliment area at times and how to do that in a way that keeps glorifying God, but is honest, you know, that you're thankful for the opportunity to be used by God. You know, I've definitely sat through lots of messages about Moses and God asking him what's in his hand and he has the staff in his hand. I don't think I've ever read or listened to a message uh, about that passage where then people talk about three staffs. Uh, so to speak, that we have. And I appreciate that. So talk to us. And the three steps you talk about are gifts, passions, and values, that that's what God gives us to bring to our leadership. Talk about the intersection of those for us, would you? Yes, I really resonate with this story of Moses because I think, and most of us, I think, can is, you know, there's this leader who sort of made some mistakes. They're, you know, somewhat hiding a little bit. They, they're trying to just be faithful in small things. And then this burning bush opportunity comes and you're like, oh man, is there something I'm now supposed to do? I kind of was enjoying my quiet life on the mountainside. Uh, and uh, what I love about that is that God is not asking Moses to be anything other than he already is. The things that he has already given Moses, his hair, Heritage, uh, his giftedness. Uh, you know, in the story, he talks about what's in your hand, this very really concrete thing that says, Moses, what, what are you already holding? And I think for many of us in leadership, particularly for people who feel a little intimidated by it, or for women who have been a little conditioned to not imagine themselves as leaders, it's important for us to remember. You don't have to become someone else when God calls you to lead. You just need to use what's already been given to you. He's been planning this moment <laughs> and he's already put into you the things that he wants to access. So the staff in your hand that I talk about are uh, gifts, passions, and um, values. So our gifts are those spiritual gifts that God gives us when we accept Christ and are filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are gifts that we spend a lifetime learning how to steward and develop. And I encourage everyone, if you don't know what those are, to do a quick assessment online or go to your church and use whatever gift assessment they use and study scripture and look for mentors and read books about um, these gifts because it really is a, it's one of the main staffs that God gives us. He's going to use our giftedness more than any other thing really in our life and leadership. So knowing that and developing it is really important. The second is our passions. He's placed desires in our heart. He's put passions in our spirit areas that he's called us to serve and most specifically people he has called us to serve. So our gifting is the what we do, but our passion is who we do it for. So maybe it's um, orphan kids. Maybe it's people who have been abused. Maybe it's folks that are far from God. Maybe it's strong believers who need to take steps of their faith to be multipliers of their faith. There's you know, there's as many passion areas as there are people alive in the world. And God has probably already given you experiences or burdens or uh, opportunities or deep emotional passions. And one way to think about passions is what really kind of makes my blood boil, what sort of gives me energy instantly. What When I'm watching a movie, what brings me to tears or makes me want to go start a nonprofit or I want to go like look this up and learn more. Those are passion areas. And so we don't need to create a new passion. We don't need to go on a 40-day fast to discover what God has made us passionate about. We need to tap into that staff that he's already given us. What am I already passionate about? That's where our calling is going to be. And then our values are how we go about doing that. So all of us have different sets of values. We all, especially as believers, can agree on most values. Uh, we believe we should be honest. We should have integrity. We should be hard workers. We should do things with excellence. But there are some values that are really important to me that aren't as important to other people. And part of what that value does, again, those are staffs in my hands. Those are things that, you know, Katie Cole is going to probably show up on time or early, you know, unless she's got a Zoom issue. <laughs> like, right? Those, that's a value of mine. 
I really care about being super inclusive. So I care deeply when someone's sitting, you know, I'm in a meeting and someone's sitting on the outside of the room. I want them to join in the table. I notice when someone is missing from a party. I care about inviting and making sure I've thought through everyone so no one feels left out. Well, that's been a value of mine since like the fourth grade. I've always kind of noticed the person a little on the outside. So it's no surprise that now almost 50, I'm writing books and talking about people who are left out of leadership, right? That's a passion of mine. And so when I got an opportunity to speak on this, I'm like, absolutely, I will. Because people being excluded, it's not that I'm a women's champion. I'm a champion of people who are excluded from areas I think God wants them to be in. So those are passions and values and the way I go about doing that. So those are the three staffs. And I really encourage, and part of what I do in the book is try to walk leaders through identifying what those three things are so that as you move into leadership, you bring those things with you. And part of what happens when we're uncertain if we should be in a leadership role or we're questioning ourselves is that it's easy to try to be someone we're not. And I just want to remind everyone that if you have been offered a leadership role and God has opened a door for you, he doesn't want you to be like the guy in front of that was there before you. He doesn't want you to care about who's going to follow, follow up you. He wants to know about you. He wants your leadership gifts, your leadership passions, your values to come to the table for this season. And when he doesn't want those gifts, priorities, passions, and values, he'll remove you and give you a different assignment and bring someone else in with a different set for that season. All of our leadership is seasonal. We're used by God for a moment, and we need to bring our full self to that moment so that he can bring everything he wants to to that opportunity. That's a really good word. Uh I love that. God puts us in the right position at the right time because he wants what he's given us to be there. That's good. Thank you. That is rich stuff. You know, in the Alliance, we really seek to believe and live out like it's true that Christ is completely sufficient for us. And on about a third of the way through the book, uh, day 30, you say that the spiritual authority that we have in Christ is the foundation for our leadership. Uh, So talk to us about that and why that's so important. Well, I think... Uh, As Christians, we know that if we're operating without Christ in the center, really completing us as a person, uh, forgiving our sins, bringing healing and wholeness, helping us know how loved we are and how valuable we are, if we're not operating from a place of spiritual wholeness, then most of our efforts are going to be in an attempt to fill that void. So if I'm a leader, even if I'm a Christian, but I haven't really found and solidified my identity in Christ, when I walk into a room, there's things I'm needing for today. I need to feel better about myself. I need to feel like I have control and power. I need to um, feel like I'm smart. I need to feel like I'm important. And so when I lead, those are the things internally that are driving me. When I'm fully surrendered and whole in Christ, I'm coming and going, saying to myself, I've got nothing to prove. I'm here as a servant who needs something from me today. And if no one needs anything, I have nothing to offer. I don't have to say something. I don't have to have the answer. Um, I can walk in really open-handed to simply serve the need or serve the people or serve the situation. And so it changes dramatically how we operate. Um, So that sort of spiritual authority is the foundation of who I am as a servant, especially a servant leader. But also with that comes the fact that as a believer, I have authority that Christ has given me that no one else can take away. And this is particularly important uh, 
message for female leaders in ministry, because I've seen many women defer their spiritual authority to the men in the room that even in the most conservative complementarian roles would not be appropriate. So uh, we all as believers have the authority to pray for someone. We all have the authority to lead an unbeliever to Christ, even if it's a man, even if it's someone totally different from us. That is my authority in Christ. Now, I may not go on to disciple and have a great relationship with that person, but if someone's crying at the altar, I don't need to stop and go look for someone else. That's an authority given to me. I have the authority to trample on snakes and scorpion. I can pray down spiritual warfare like anyone. I don't need to go, hey, husband or my boss or my pastor, could you please pray that God would protect me? I can pray for protection for myself through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the blood of the Lamb, right? That's my authority in Christ. And I see many women confusing some of the things they've seen or have been modeled for them maybe praying in public. Um, dad always closed in prayer at dinner. Those are fine uh, roles. And if you're from a theology that really um, affirms male headship, I'm in favor of those. But it doesn't mean that I can't pray as a woman believer or fight spiritual warfare or lead people to Christ. And so that spiritual foundation, especially when you move into ministry circles, is important to remind ourselves because you can't be an effective minister of the gospel if you are not walking in the authority that Christ has given you. Now, on top of that spiritual authority, we have personal authority, we have organizational authority. So I'm not saying I walk in and say, because of Jesus, I can run this church or I should preach this sermon. Those are different levels of authority. But as a believer, I need to walk fully in what God has given me. And out of the overflow of that, I'm given authority in the church, or I'm given authority in my work, or I've given authority in my family or over my children. But it's out of the overflow. It's not trying to fill that void. Day 56, you talk about uh, the tendency for female leaders to receive vague praise, while male leaders typically receive more constructive and helpful feedback. Talk us through some steps that female leaders can take uh, to receive more constructive feedback. Yeah, this is really interesting when you're looking at how men and women are developed as leaders. So guys tend to get feedback that's highly constructive, like, hey, that was great when you did the announcements, but you know, they shouldn't go 11 minutes. <laughs> you can, you know, wrap that up. No need to have three mini sermons with your three announcements, right? So the next time you do it, I want you to think about this. I want you to do that. Women get up to do a job, lead a meeting or do something even like announcements. And they're like, great job, girl. That was awesome. So nice to have a woman up on the stage or your hair looked really great today, right? Very, very vague praise that has nothing to do with how they can get better. And the unfortunate part about that is it really prevents women from learning and growing. And women, especially female leaders, tend to be really hard on ourselves. So when we get up and do something and we know it maybe wasn't great, or even if it was great, we wonder if it was great. And we don't get any feedback that says, this was awesome. Do this better next time. We assume there will be no next time. That was our one shot. And we don't know how to get better. And so what we can all do to help women is, first of all, focus less on how they look on the outside, less on sort of this vague encouragement and give them, take the time to really think through, especially if you are the person in authority over what they just did. You're their boss, you're the pastor, you run the worship service and she gave announcements, whatever the role is. If you've got some authority to give feedback and to ask her back, let her know how she did. Hey, you did this really great. I really appreciated how this went. Next time you do it. And 
I just want to encourage you, please use the phrase next time you do it and counteract Mm, that sticky floor mentality that says this was your one shot. And even if you were awesome, we really only want you to do it one time, right? So next time you get up in front (laughs) of people, next time you lead a meeting, next time you give a message, here's some things I want you to think about or some things to keep in mind. And I can't wait to see when that's going to happen. It allows her to move from this was my one shot thinking to I'm growing and they believe in me and they actually see more in me than what I'm giving them right now. That is what, and as leaders, don't we crave growth? Like leaders aren't looking for paychecks usually. I mean, we want to get paid, but we're not, we don't need a bonus. I don't need a gift card. I want to know how to be better. I want to have more impact in the kingdom. The best gift you can give me is to let me know how I can get better. That is what the leaders love that. So don't be afraid to give feedback. If, if a woman doesn't want feedback, my hunch is you're probably not dealing with a leader. And so that's not probably worth your time anyway. Mm. So move on and try to find the leaders, give them feedback and make sure they're responding to it and give them more opportunities to grow. Well, then every single one of these answers is like, we could have just had an episode dedicated to one of them for sure. (laughs) (laughs) This is cracking me up. I honestly think that learning to give specific compliments and feedback is one of the simplest ways for those who want to develop leaders can improve in their developing of leaders. We just don't give specific compliment and feedback enough. And it's so it's so powerful and helpful. So thank you for talking about that. Such a really big deal. Uh, and then the whole next time thing, wow, I need to implement that right away. Thank you for that. That's a good thing. A little earlier in the conversation, you alluded to uh, imposter syndrome. Uh, you know, people talk about that from time to time. I think it's way more common than people let on, which indicates, I guess, that it really is true (laughs) in an ironic kind of way. So talk about what imposter syndrome is and how should we deal with it? Sure. Imposter syndrome is something for both men and women. Women tend to experience it more frequently than guys. But it's really this idea that when I walk into a room or I'm doing something uh, that's leadership oriented, that I feel like an imposter that I'm scared the whole time that I'm going to be found out as a fraud, that I don't actually know as much as these people think I know. I'm not nearly as good as they think I am. If they really knew X, Y, and Z about me, they wouldn't have hired me or given me this opportunity. It's sort of these um, kind of internal dialogues. Um, They can be lies sometimes from Satan, like you don't deserve to be here. You're not good enough. But imposter syndrome specifically is more about feeling like you're an imposter, like um, that someone's going to sort of storm into the room and expose all your worst weaknesses and people will be like, why are you here? You don't belong here. And so, I mean, the big, you know, the big unspoken known secret in leadership is that every leader feels insecure. Every leader does that. And every leader questions, what am I doing here? Uh, I think most women though, listen to those voices more than guys do. And uh, they tend to take it as a sign to say no to opportunities or to uh, quit a job or to not even apply for something. And so it's really important that we talk about it more, that we talk about the fact that we all are uncertain what they do. I'm sure when you guys started this podcast, you're thinking, what are we doing? I mean, maybe my mom will listen, but who else in the world is going to listen to (laughs) us talk about stuff, right? And so... If we don't um, give ourselves permission to try things, to experiment with things, to not know what we're doing, but figure it out anyway, that's really that growth mindset of a leader that moves things forward. I think for women, um, we tend to, to have a lot more perfectionistic tendencies. There's a lot of research out there that talks about how women will hold back from even applying for a job for fear that might, they might not get it. 
And if you think about that, that's crazy. A hundred people apply for a job. Only one person's going to get it to take myself out of the game and say, I'm not even worth being one of the 99 who applied and didn't get it. I should not even apply. Those are just really bad habits that we bring into leadership with us that hold us back. Um, so I really encourage all leaders, particularly women, um, to really just battle that imposter syndrome with facts from other people. So ask people for candid feedback, go to them and say, how did I do, you know, or set them up ahead of time. Like I'm going to lead this meeting. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm good at this. I don't know if I should do this anymore. Will you please watch this video of me? Or will you please come sit in, in the meeting and give me some feedback? I don't want to, I don't want to waste my time doing something I shouldn't, but if I have a gift or if I'm being helpful, I also want to know that and then believe them. So if you're, if your leader gives you a promotion, believe him. <laughs> He's been watching you. He's seen the fruit, right? Believe the people who believe in you more than you believe in the disbelief of yourself. That's one Ooh, of the ways good. to counteract imposter syndrome. Oh, that's Very. good. Thank you. Thank you. That was like a therapy session for me. I do appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> the check is in the mail. <laughs> oh my word. So seriously. So, my goodness. So put downs, can be a mechanism to manipulate or exercise control over another person. How should female leaders handle those put downs and other forms of mistreatment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, many minorities face the, what is kind of called as microaggressions. If you've heard that in the news, that's really what we're talking about. A kind of subtle, um, unnoticeable sort of put downs or one-liners or demeaning uh, behavior being dismissed, your opinion being dismissed. Um, everyone's giving their perspective, you're glossed over, or just any way that makes someone feel bad or put in a corner or like they need to uh, not speak up or they don't belong here. So it's a really toxic combination when you already walk into a room with a little bit of imposter syndrome, and then you have someone who really isn't happy that you're there or doesn't believe you should be there. And so those subtle things really weigh on us and wear us down. And so I really encourage uh, women to acknowledge what's happening, at least to yourself. I think where we really get into a trap is when we start to feel like, oh, it wasn't that bad, or um, I'm just extra sensitive. So one of the things that I did, especially early on in my leadership, when I was experiencing some of these is that I, in a, when I'm in a meeting, I would write down the, the actual quotes people were saying to me. And again, I don't want to believe what's going on in my own head. I actually want to get feedback from other people. And I would tell people like, okay, so this is what was said to me, or this was the um, how they introduced me, or this was the comment they made after I finished speaking. Am I being overly sensitive. And I will, I will admit about half the time I was kind of being overly sensitive. Like people were looking at me, people who'd been in leadership rooms long enough. And I think now that I've been doing this 20 or 30 years, I'm like, yeah, we kind of just move on from topics. We don't always go around and everyone applauds someone's new idea. We're like, oh, great idea. Let's move on. Right. That's just kind of how leadership rolls. And so in some ways I just had to get used to how, how fast leadership goes that we're not sitting around trying to make each other feel good about ourselves. Right. We're really just trying to solve the problems and get things done. But then about half of the comments really were unhelpful. They were critical. They were demeaning. They were um, creating resistance. They, and even if the, someone said them and weren't intentionally meaning something to me, they were bothering me enough and they were pointed enough that I could actually speak up and, and talk to them about it and just ask to be treated differently. And so I really encourage people to follow Matthew 18. Um, first of all, examine you know my own self, make sure I'm what I'm being sensitive to or what I'm experiencing 
is actually something to confront and whittling away what isn't. Um, And then going to the person one-on-one and saying, hey, here are three examples. I always really encourage people to do confrontation unless it's something big and really egregious. Um, When you're talking about these small little kind of micro things is to go with three specific examples and say, hey, um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, there have been some things that you've said to me in meetings that have really put me in an awkward situation. I feel like I want to talk to you about them. Are you open to hearing? Because they're they're actually causing me to hold back from my leadership. And I consider us teammates. I'm assuming that you you know that we want to work together and continue to build trust with one another and work together better and better for the sake of the church. And even though I'm assuming you don't mean these things, maybe you mean them. You can tell me if you do, but. When you say these things, this is how it impacts me. And just go one-on-one. Most of the time that helps. Most of the time, especially in church environments, um, my experience is that teammates are clueless to what they're saying, or this is something they've said their entire growing up, or they've only worked with men and no one takes it too seriously. Um, But to a woman being said, oh, that's just what you think, or man, that was really emotional. Or, you know, they're, they're treating me like their little sister, or they're teasing me in a way that they feel like is teasing about gender. But I don't find that funny. Like you can tease me about my big curly hair. You can tease me about the fact that I'm really forgetful, but please don't make assumptions about me because of my gender, because I'm actually those jokes usually aren't true about me. (laughs) And so I find them really offensive. That doesn't build camaraderie that actually separates us. And so framing it from a viewpoint of, I want us to build trust. I want us to have good, um, a good partnership as we lead together usually takes care of it. If it doesn't, then it's time to talk to the leader of the meeting because they're the ones who are in charge of the tone and the culture of the meeting, and they're on your side. So confronting things through Matthew 18, but doing it in a, in a leadership style way where we're not overreacting, we're not projecting. I'm not bringing up things that aren't relevant, but I'm actually moving us forward in our relationship as a team. Now, I will say that there are moments when people do really big things that are unacceptable. And you don't need three examples for that, especially if it's done around other people. You really can confront those and you should confront those right away. This is part of being healthy and assertive is standing up that I want to respect you and I also need you to respect me. And even if you don't mean it this way, this is impacting me in a way that feels very disrespectful. And I want to raise the issue and talk about it and move forward together. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Candid and kind. Yep. Love yes. it. That's good stuff. Last question, Katie. Talk about this idea of leaving a legacy with your leadership voice. Yeah, I don't think I really appreciated legacies till I started to get a little older. You know, in my 20s and 30s, I would go to conferences and everyone is in their 50s and 60s speaking and they're talking about leaving a legacy. I'm like, I just want to do something. Like, I don't care what happens after me. You know, I'm probably only going to live to be 50 anyway. I can't believe you guys are all still alive. Right. Like, that's my mentality. And now, I'm taking that personally right now. <laughs> me too. Well, now as someone who's turning 50 in a couple of months, I'm like, oh man, you really do start to look at your life and leadership really differently. And um, I think for me, though, part of our leadership voice is that we leave a legacy every day, that when you take the time to actually sit down in service and listen to someone giving announcements for the first time and take notes and then find them afterwards and give them constructive feedback and talk to them about the next time, like that takes intentionality, but that is a legacy that you are depositing in that person, not only for their own benefit, but they're going to take the time throughout their 40-year leadership career to do the same things for other people. That's the multiplication effect of really leading well. And so I want to relieve, you know, all of us from the pressure that there has to be 
some big thing that leaves a legacy. I actually think when we look at Jesus, he did big things, obviously, but most of the church was built on his daily interactions, on the correction he did with the disciples, of the woman he spoke to at the well, of the person that he healed. It was these small investments where he used his leadership voice to make a difference that actually created exponential growth in the church. And I think of many leaders that I've had in my life and they've done really big, beautiful things, but no one else really knows of them. It's me and the few other hundred people that they invested their life in, but I'm doing the things I'm doing now because of them. But it's because they use their leadership voice to speak into mine. And so I just want to encourage all of us that this idea of uh, legacy has big elements, but it also has small elements. And God has a way of multiplying our efforts. And we need each of our leadership voices. Like if you're out there listening to this and you're thinking, I'm not sure I have anything to say, or I've tried to do this and I kind of got shut down or every time I think about this or dream about this, it just feels so unrealistic. I just want to really encourage you that you do have a staff in your hand right now that all you're really responsible for is being obedient to use your voice today, to develop your voice today, to grow your impact today, to practice today, to make a mistake and learn from it today. That if we all just steward today well, God will open up doors in the future to have the impact that he's placed on our hearts. But it doesn't happen without being faithful and obedient with our leadership voice today. Thank wow. you, Katie. That is fantastic stuff. That is great, great stuff from beginning to end. And we really appreciate you uh, being on Equipping You podcast today and all that you've uh, shared with our listeners. So much great stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much say, for having uh, me. I don't, maybe I haven't found it yet out there in internet world, but I'm telling you, there is room enough in the podcast world for a, a 90 episode podcast that <laughs> unpacks every one of these for one day. I could tell, honestly, I would love to be able to say, to send to a female leader that I know or some men leaders to be as well, as we've talked to say, hey, listen to this, a 15-minute episode on this aspect of finding Lucian Fight. That would be a powerful tool to hand off to somebody. So, you know, here's my vote for that. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. I will work on that. I'll take that and work on that. Um, I will say we do have a lot of resources with this. The re I guess I didn't answer your question at the very top of the show of the reason it's 90 days is it really takes time to reset our mindset. And to me, this is a Romans 12, you know, renewing of our mind. And so they're really little mini chapters. I wouldn't quite call it a devotional because they're not always super spiritual, uh, but it really is kind of a renewing of your mind. And so we've got the 90 day book. So you've got a little chunk every day. Uh, if you want some coaching emails, I have a year-long uh, weekly email that you'll get uh, once a week that kind of coaches you in the concepts because if you can kind of renew your mindset in 90 days and then put it into practice over a year, it really does transform the way you think and lead. And so I'm trying to get long-term changes, not just a bunch of uh, content that you read over a weekend or in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then there is a video series that if you're looking to grow in leadership, they're my top uh, leadership lessons that I work with executive pastors and senior pastors on, spoken from a woman's perspective to try and help uh, kind of give more framework to how ministry and leadership works. Um, so all of those are available on my website, findyourleadershipvoice.me or katiecole.com. Uh, so I really encourage you to jump in and make the most of it. There's a lot to be gained and I'm really excited on the feedback we've gotten so far from it. So there you go. Listeners. Go grab those resources and uh, keep learning and keep growing. Thank you so much, Katie. Mm. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks guys. Absolutely. Thanks Thank for you. all that you're doing. Thank you. 
Well, Alan, Katie was great the first time, and Katie was great the second time. Uh, really, uh, she delivered a bunch, a bunch of good nuggets of uh, truth and information, helpful information. Helps me, you know. She deals with stuff that that I struggle with. Uh, I'm not a female, but I still struggle with some of the things she talks about, and so appreciate her uh, insights and encouragement. What'd you hear today, Alan? That that you're going to hang your hat on for a while. Well, I think you kind of nailed it in the beginning of our conversation, you know, that this book, while the target audience is women, there are almost everything we talked about. I feel like, wow, I really need to work on that, you know, yeah. and it was so encouraging and challenging. And that's a great combination. And she delivered, like we said in the intro to the, both the humility and the boldness together. I really uh, respect that greatly. And um my goodness. And then the free therapy, as you mentioned, on the imposter syndrome. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for that. I need it. And I'm so thankful that uh, Jesus makes is always using me because I don't always feel like I'm worthy, but he, he uses me anyhow. I'm so grateful and glad that she addressed that directly today. Amen. Amen. So uh, we appreciate our listeners uh, joining us. Yes, we do. We shoot for 30 minutes on these podcasts. I have no idea how long this one was because I didn't. <laughs> have we ever actually hit it? <laughs> I don't think so, but uh, she was great. Katie was great. So I don't she think was. anybody's going to complain about listening no. a little bit longer. Next time, we'll have a mystery guest on uh, episode two. Uh, you'll have to tune back in to find out. Ooh, Ooh the suspense Thanks. is building. Thanks for listening and thanks for passing this along to uh, other people. We see our audience is growing and uh, we really appreciate it. Love doing this. So uh, we'll see you next time. Season seven, episode two. Keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.